0: Message that I have for you tonight is called this. It's called living on the edge and holding tight to the center. When I was a little boy in the playground, we had one of these old metal merry-go-rounds. You ever have those things? the The big guys in school used to they used to delight in taking us little guys, and they'd stick us on this thing, and how hey, we're going to give you a nice little ride? And then they'd spin this thing going so fast that they'd fire us all off in all directions, right? And we believed them for the first few times until, you know, we got skinned up enough to realize that I don't think so. The one thing that we noticed, though, about this thing is we we get a few of us on it, we get this thing going as hard as we could. And when we're on the outer edge, you get the centrifugal force of this thing it would be so great that you literally not hold on to this thing. And it just fired it right off out into the dirt. And I noticed that we could get things going faster and faster the closer we got to the center. And if you held on to the center, if you were in between the crotch of one of those bar, you know, sets of bars and you were hanging on like this and you had your feet braced and you were focused in on the center, you didn't get spun off so easily. Well, that's a reality in more ways than one. In our lives as Christians, God has promised to take us to the edge. He has promised to take us to the edge. We will spend our lives living on the edge. That is a part of our lives. That's part of who we we are and what he will call us to be. But I want to qualify that a little bit. And I want to say to you this. It's not whether or not we're going to live on the edge. The crucial thing that we need to know as believers in Christ, as those who walk and live in this world, the crucial thing is not whether we're going to be on the edge. The crucial thing is who takes us to the edge. Who takes us to the edge? And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the person that takes you to the edge is the spirit of Jesus Christ, the living presence of Jesus Christ in your life. You see, that's the way it is with the edge. Someone will always take you there. Someone told me one time, Boyd, if you don't set the direction of your own ministry, somebody else will set it for you. It goes farther than that. If you don't invite the right person to take you to the edge of life, somebody else will take you there. See, the Bible teaches that we are not free to do all that stuff ourselves. We are born in slavery. We are tied up. Now, somebody will take us there, and the question is for you, who will take you to the edge of your life? Who will take you out on the edge where your life is to be lived? Will it be the devil? Will it be the world or your own flesh, your own weakness? Or will it be the living Jesus Christ? Because when he takes you there, he will take you there in his power. Do you understand? The question somebody came to me and asked here a little while ago. They said, how far is too far? How close to the edge is too close? I want to share with you a little bit today about how do you know when you're too close to the edge? How do you know how to be out on the edge and remain strong? When I was a kid... Uh, we lived not too far from the river, and we used to go down to the river periodically. And I, I found something, I, I learned something about rivers. What I learned about rivers is that on the outer curve of a river, in flood time, you'd get the bank with a road underneath. You, you know what that's like? So, you know, you come out onto the edge, and it would sort of come out like this, and then the roots of the grass out here would sort of hold everything up, but unbeknownst to you, it was all eaten out underneath the bottom. We would see, you know... How far could we get out on that edge before we actually went over, right? So we'd be challenging each other to go out onto the edge, all that stuff. And we found something about, about how to know when you're too far out on the edge. There is only one way to know you're too far out on the edge. We'd walk out on something that looked, okay, there's the edge right there. We'd walk out a little farther. And it'd start to give. And we jump back. And then we test it a little farther. As it start to give, we jump back. We get out a little farther, wham, you're over the edge, you're in the water, or worse yet, you're laying on the rocks down at the bottom of the at the bottom of the cliff, and you're looking up and you're going, Yeah. I was a little too close to the edge on that one. Okay. That is the only way to know when you are too close to the edge. There is only one way to know when you're too close to the edge. Do you get me? That's when you're laying on the rocks at the bottom of the cliff looking up. And you're going, I was too close to the edge. Before you fall, you're always going, I could get a little closer. Oh, I gave a little bit. Oh, that's all right. We can still do this a little more. Oh, you know, there's a little spice in all that. Until you get too close. And you end up belly up down at the bottom of the cliff. I want to tell you about a guy who lived on the edge. This guy was a guy by the name of Samson. You know the guy in the Bible? His name is Samson, okay? I'm gonna just tell you a little bit about him. He's sort of an interesting guy. Uh, he's like the strongest guy in the world. In Samson, we're gonna find out a little bit later as we go on into the story, the power of God within him that gave him this huge strength was tied to his hair. I'm gonna say to you that Samson wasn't what you would call the most faithful guy. And he was a little flippant. In fact, he didn't even treat God very well. Uh, he didn't treat his calling very well. And yet God still God still used him. But Samson was one of those guys who liked to live out on the edge. He knew he had power. He knew he had God's calling. And he didn't really take it too seriously. He had anger problems. He had uh, control issues. And he had another weakness. And this was a weakness that a lot of guys have. He had a weakness for women. I want to bring you in on one of Samson's weaknesses. It's the weakness for women. Well, Samson, he uh, he went looking for love in a lot of wrong places. And ultimately, we find him. He comes and he finds a lady that he just totally falls in love with. Her name's Delilah. And he must have really liked... Uh, Delilah, um, because he stuck with her through a whole lot of stuff, and he stuck with her even when it was evident that she was setting him up for a fall. Samson moved into her place and began sleeping with her. And uh, we begin to see uh, from there that she wasn't quite as enthralled with Samson as he was with her. See, because once Samson's enemies found out that she was sleeping with him, They went to her and they said, we will pay you big money if you figure out this guy's weakness and turn him over to us. She says, big money? Sounds good to me. And she starts to work on him. She bluntly goes to him and she asks him, what is your secret? Now Samson, he's not just going to give up his secret right away, all that sort of stuff, so he figures, you know, I'll live on the edge. You know, I, I like what I'm getting from this woman. I'll play the game. With her a little bit, he throws at her this. He says, the secret of my great strength is if you take me and you tie me with, with seven fresh leather thongs, I'll be weak as a, I'll be, I'll be weak as a newborn and you can do what you want with me. I don't know how she does this, but in his sleep, she ties him up with seven fresh leather thongs. Then she goes, I got him tied up guys, come on out and kill him. A bunch of guys jump out of hiding. They attack Samson. Samson wakes up, rips the thongs off, beats these guys up, drives them away. Delilah's angry. She says to him, you lied to me. And like a bright guy, he says, so? And he stays with her. The next night, she does the same thing. What's your weakness, she says. He says, well, he says, I wasn't quite straight with you the first time, but this time tie me with brand new unused ropes. They haven't been used for anything. I'll be weak as a newborn. You'll be able to do what you want with me. Again, I'm not sure how she did this in his sleep, but she tied him with brand new unused ropes. She hollers, I got him tied up, guys. Now, I'm not too sure about the, the brightness quotient in some of these guys that were standing behind the curtains either, but they come jumping out again to take Samson and haul him off. He wakes up, rips the ropes off, shreds these guys, drives them off down the street, comes back. She's mad at him again. Next night, she does it again. And so help me, he goes for it. By now, I don't, I think it was getting to be apparent to him that she wasn't totally interested in his best interests. But you know, he was strong. He was Samson. He had all his strength, and he was trusting in it to be able to handle. It. He was trusting in his strength to be able to handle this. So she says, "Tell me your weakness." He says, "Okay. If you take the seven braids of my hair, he has his hair braided into seven big braids, and if you weave them into a loom, you know what a loom is." It's like a weaving machine for cloth, right? Weave them into a loom and tighten it with the pin, which apparently is part of the, part of the loom. I'll be weak as a newborn, you'll be able to do whatever you want with me. She does this, weaves these seven braids into the loom, does the pin thing, haulers, I've got him, I've got him tied up, he's weak, come get him. These guys jump out again, we go through the same thing again, he wakes up, he rips the loom up, thrashes these guys, chases them off, and she gets very indignant with him. She says, you have betrayed me over and over and over. I am trying to find your weakness so that I can sell you out and make some money here and you won't cooperate with me. I don't fully understand this, but the upshot of it all, she whines and she, she badgers the poor guy and in the end he says, I'll tell you my weakness. Well, he gives her the secret And she sets him up. He says to her, if you take a razor and cut off all my hair, I will lose my strength and I will be just like any other man. Well, shades of I told you so. And she goes and does it. He falls asleep. She shaves his head. He loses his strength. She hollers, fellas, I think I got him this time. They jump in, albeit they're a little shaky and a little shy at this point. He wakes up, takes a swing, falls over in his face. He is weak as a cat. He can't do it. They jump on him. They tie him up. And they take him out. And the first thing they do to him is they take their thumbs and they gouge both his eyes out. Then they take him to jail and they chain him up in jail to a corn grinding mill and that's where they leave him. Samson, the great man of God, because he liked sleeping with this lady, because he decided that he would depend on his own strength, not on God, ended up blind as a bat, grinding somebody else's corn in jail for life. Samson's a mistake. It's the same mistake a lot of us make. He liked living out on the edge. He neglected his call to serve God and he got too close to that edge and in the end he fell over. See, he didn't really live in God. Samson was one of those guys who he was really doing he was really doing his his walk with God in this way. He went to God when God had stuff that he wanted. Other than that, he was sort of just using God for his own ends. Delilah set him up for the fall. He thought he was in control. And in the end, he lost his opportunity to serve God in this life. So again, how close to the edge can you get? And how far is too far for you and for me? Someone came to me a while ago with this question. He says this to me. He says, I have a girlfriend. He says, I like each other. She feels good to me," he says. "How far is too far? I mean, can I kiss her? Can I? What kind of kissing can we do? Can we hold hands? You know, what kind of touching is too much? Clothes on, clothes off, uh, all that sort of stuff." He says, "He says, where where do I stop?" He said, "You know, how how far is too far?" And I said to him, "I said, good question, because God has a lot to say about sex." But I'm going to say to you, it's not just a matter of how far can you go. Someone else came to me with another question. And they said this to me. They said, can I go to the bar and to parties with my old friends and still be a Christian? I'm going, yeah. Can I drink? Yeah, 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 you can drink and still be a Christian. How much? Well, you can drink a lot and still be a Christian. Can I do this and still be a witness? Oh, now we're getting a little more dicey. I mean, won't people see that I'm just like them and be more open to my sharing? I remember a, a bunch of guys I knew back in cameras and they used to go to the bar And they, as I, I was sharing with them because they were getting really tanked up pretty good. I'm going, oh, what's this doing to your witness? Well, we're trying to be just like the drunks, you know, get on their level and witness to them. <laughs> I'm going, okay, interesting logic. Um, how far can I go? Well, what does God say? Now, you got to remember, and back to last week's message, what God says to you is going to be in line with the Scriptures. Okay? It's going to be in line with the Scriptures. God does not say to you, do not drink. What He does say is, do not get drunk. That's what He says in Ephesians. He says, because when you get drunk, it leads to what we call debauchery. And what that means is it leads to immorality. See, booze is the thing that sort of drops all your defenses, right? And what it does is it sets you up for a fall. That's like Samson going in with Delilah and falling in love with her and doing all this stuff. He could see what she was doing. And he knew she was not good for him. But he continued to move ahead in that relationship with her to the point where finally she found his weakness and she got him. So what's too much? Is it three beers combined with your body weight? Is it having her shirt half off or half on? Well, the line actually with the booze, I would say this. When you lose your grip on the center, you see, remember, we're looking at the center here. How far out to the edge can you go with drinking? when you lose your grip on the center of your life, that is on your walking with Jesus, when the amount of alcohol that you consume wipes out your communion with God and puts you in danger of walking by your own strength to keep you back from the edge, I'm going to say that this means any amount of alcohol that dulls your mind. Furthermore, drunks are not that discerning. You know, you go to a party, drunks just aren't that discerning about, this, about counting how many beers you've had throughout the night. All they knew is you're walking around with a beer in your hand and you're drinking all night just like them. So, what does it do to your walk, your witness, your, your, your demonstration? What about the sex thing? God says in the Bible in, in Hebrews 13:4, He says, Let the marriage bed remain clean. In other words, let your bed not have sexual activity in it until you're married. He says, judgment will come upon those who are immoral and upon adulterers. So where's the line? Is it touching someone on the torso, the breasts, the crotch, touching them with clothes on, clothes off, intercourse, or just fooling around? What is too far? And I'm going to say to you again that when your focus shifts from what is good from your relationship with God and your relationship with the other person, when it shifts from that focus, that's too far. When your touching of someone else dehumanizes them and turns them into something that you use to satisfy yourself, that's too far. When your relationship with someone sexually makes the marriage bed no longer clean, that's too far. In fact, Jesus just flat out said, He said, guys, when you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, You have as good as done it in the flesh. And so you look at this and you're going like, when your relationship with somebody sexually causes you to lust after her or him in your heart, that's too far. Holy smokes. I'm lost, right? But that's where the focus comes. See, God does not say, "If you do all this, I will not forgive you." You know, in the end, in the end, folks, you have sex, you can drink, you can speed, you can do all kinds of stuff, steal stuff. God has promised that He will forgive us. But when you're looking at walking forward with God, that's not what we're talking about. God says. Not all things are helpful. He doesn't say you can't do the stuff and not be forgiven. He says, what is helpful in your life? What is helpful for your relationship with me and with others? That's what counts. How do you do something that is profitable for your walk with God? Simple. Simple. You focus on making your walk with Jesus Christ the center of whatever you do and your walk will be onward and upward. Treat God with the attitude that he loves me and I can do whatever I want. He'll still forgive me whatever I do and you're going to go nowhere in your relationship with him. So again, how close to the edge can I get before I fall off? This is the wrong question to be asking. If you're looking at your relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and going, how far can I go before I go over the edge? It's the wrong question to be asking. If you're looking at your party life and you're going, how many beers can I have in a night? It's the wrong question to be asking. If you're looking and you're saying, how much stuff can I borrow and not return before it becomes stealing? It's the wrong question to be asking. How much gossip can I be involved in before I hurt someone? It's the wrong question to be asking. How close to the edge can I get? Because remember, there's only one way to find out when you're too close to the edge. What is it? Yeah, when you're laying at the rocks at the bottom of the hill staring back up going, oh, I shouldn't have taken that last step. That's what Samson was like as he stood there hooked up to this corn grinding mill. He's going, "I I shouldn't have taken the last step. I was doing okay right up until the point where I said, cut my hair. When you're asking the types of questions that talk about how close to the edge can I get, it's the wrong question to be asking. Jesus says this about living on the edge. He says in John 15:1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now he's speaking to his disciples here. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in him, he or she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The crucial thing is the connection between the branch and the main vine. If the branch is well connected to the main vine, the fruit will grow. I mean, so much of it will grow, you just, you have to pinch it all off. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. The, the reality that we deal with is not how far, how far to the edge can we get, but how close to the center we can get. He says, forget about trying to be out here producing fruit. He says, all you are called to do in your life is hold on to me. All you are called to do in life is hold on to me. A lot of us Christians, you know, we're sitting here going, I don't have much ministry, you know, and we're looking at what we do and I'm not that effective and how am I going to be as effective as Dave? I don't know how I'm going to be as effective as he, because he's so good, man. You know, and we're comparing ourselves to each other and we're going, I don't know if God's happy with the fruit that I'm making. I better do a little more work and produce more fruit. And Jesus is just saying, he says that you're not hearing me. He says, I want you connected to me. I want your time. I want your time. I want you with me. Forget about the fruit. I'll take care of the fruit. If you look in your life, and your life has fallen apart for God, and you aren't doing anything for God, and stuff in your life for God is not happening, it is not because you're not working hard enough. It is because you have lost your emphasis on hanging tightly to Jesus. And all he says is, he just says, I want time with you. That's the way it is with Jesus. That's the way it is when you live out on the the edge. The key thing is this. Abide in Jesus. That just literally means to remain in him, to live in him. The more tightly you're connected to your Savior, the less chance that you'll step over the edge. Now don't get me wrong again, like I've said, we'll be on the edge. Satan, the world, and our own weaknesses will try and drag us out there. But for us, the only way to be there is in the arms of God. When you are swung out onto the edge of life, your heart needs to be wrapped around the center who is Jesus. And as you swing, he will hold you tight. he's used to live around West Edmonton Mall. And in there they've got this thing that goes up and it's got a whole bunch of swings and they put you in the swing and they swing you right out. They get this thing going and suddenly you got... 100 people in these swings, and their swings, they, as the centrifugal force comes up, the swing is stuck right out like this, and you're literally swinging horizontally. I want to tell you the chains hooking those chairs to the center of that thing are deadly strong because there's a lot of lawsuits riding on one of those rides. <laughs> and if they weren't sure it was going to hold you, they wouldn't be swinging you. That is the way we live on the edge. Solidly connected to the Savior. It's necessary that we're out on the edge. Because being out on the edge is where the strength of our tie to the center becomes evident. And that's our testimony. Does God want you out on the edge? Yeah, but He wants to take you there. Because it's there that people will see the power of God holding us back from going over. It's there that we can share with people who are bruised and battered from falling on the rocks below. It's there that we can share with them that there is hope. It's there that we can share with them a strength that is beyond our own and that that is the strength we depend on. His name is Jesus. And the reality is, as God's promise, when they see what has kept us from going over the edge, they too will want what we have. Jesus just says this. He says, you're the branch, I'm the vine. Those who remain in me, who hold tightly to me, will bear much fruit. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Now this is your choice. You can get saved, give lip service to God, and live a life that shows none of it. Or, you can get saved and have a relationship here on this earth today in this community where God has placed you that bears much fruit what do you want what do you want Jesus says in John 15:16 that he has appointed you each one of us to bear fruit and that our fruit should last That means that your impact in someone else's life for the sake of Jesus Christ will stay with them forever. It means that when you share a testimony or a touch or a word, years down the road when that person is struggling, they will remember you and how God touched them through you. And that in the times when they struggle, that they will go back to that remembrance and they will say, God is alive because he touched me through you. That is what it means to have fruit that lasts. And God has appointed you and I to that. God has intended us to be those through whom real life change can be seen by others. It also means he has intended that our walk with him will hold us safely to him when others are going over the edge. So look to the center. Draw close to the center. God will hold you tight when life spins you out out to the edge. Yeah, you'll be on the edge because living for Jesus demands that we be there. But you'll be held in in the grip of God who is the center of all that you do wherever you are. You know what happened to Samson? God is faithful. God never gives up on anybody. In the end... His hair grew back. The guys who caught him said, hey, we're having a party. Let's bring the Samson guy up and show, him, show everybody the great hero of Israel that we, we caught and wiped out. He still had no eyes. They brought him up. They laughed themselves silly at him. And he felt, oh, my hair's grown back. And he said to the guy that was leading him, he says, put my hands on the main pillars of, the, of this building. The guy did. And Samson said, Lord, let me wipe out your enemies. He shoved once, his strength returned, the whole place came down, wiped out all the enemies of God's people. So God was faithful, and he never gave up on Samson. And in the end, Samson went to be with God. But you know what Samson lost? He lost a lifetime of serving God. hold tight to the center. When the world spins you to your edge, hold tight to the center. He will be faithful to you. Let's pray. Jesus, I call on your name. I call on your name. We call on your name. And Lord God, I pray that for each of us here that we will come from this place Knowing ever more deeply the emergency, just the urgency of spending time with you and letting you love us and letting you fill us with your spirit. That you will take a grip on our lives, Lord, that you will bind us to you in a way, Lord Jesus, that we just will not let go, no matter what life does to us. God, we surrender to you all of the works that we do to try to strengthen our chains to the middle that try to keep us from the edge. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Just let us look to you, knowing that you will hold us from going over. And that in holding us, Lord, you will demonstrate your power and your grace and your mercy and your love in ways that will draw others to you. Jesus, we confess that without you, we will go over the edge. We will fail. We will be destroyed. But that in you, we are protected. And the enemy has none of us. God Almighty, I speak the release of your power and of your spirit teach life here tonight. Fill us. Hold us to the center. We love you in your name. Amen. Whatever you have done this week, I say it to you. God has forgiven you and he has wiped your slate clean. If you have hurt somebody, and they haven't forgiven you, go to them. Say, I'm sorry. If they don't forgive you, you can't do nothing about that. If they do forgive you, has established you clean and innocent in His eyes. He loves you. Thanks.